Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Word of God. We're trying to understand God's revelation to us that he's given to us so we know him, so we can know how to best to follow Christ. We're working our way through 1 John, and this is episode 19. We're looking at 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Let's read the passage. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. Well, there's a lot in these three verses, and let's let's dive into it, see what we can make of it. He's already made the shift from what he's been talking about as to being in Christ. He's challenged those who say they're in Christ, but they're really not. He's challenged those who say they're followers of Christ, but they really aren't following Christ. And then he, he's made the shift, we looked at that last time, of from just being sure that you were really in Christ to being ready for his return. And he's continuing this theme of, of looking ahead to what's going on now has implications for the future and vice versa. So, verse 1, he starts with C. He's, he's making a point here. Hey, look at this. Uh, some translations say, Behold, what great love the Father has given us. Now, this, this term great love, or what great, is, is only used seven times in the New Testament. It's always used with a sense of astonishment, of, wow, look at that. Actually, literally, originally, in, the, in old classical Greek, it meant, of what country? And so it's, it's more of an idiom by the time of, of the New Testament era, where while he's saying, of what country, what he really means is, what did this come from? So he's referring to the love the Father has given us. And he's basically saying, this, this is amazing. This is unusual. Where would something like this come from? And so the, the best translation we come up with is just, what great love that the Father has given us. So it, it is a, a sense of astonishment because God doesn't love us because we're lovable. And if you really think about our standing before God, before we are forgiven of sin and adopted by God, we are sinful, deplorable, under God's condemnation. Why would he love us? That's what makes it so amazing. There's a challenge for us. Do we ever really think about it? Think about what an amazing thing it is that God would love us. We who are separated from God because of sin, we who are under God's condemnation, but yet he still loves us, loves us enough that he made possible forgiveness of sin and adoption by him. That is truly amazing. And and John's pointing that out as you really think about this, that all of this is possible because of God's love for us. That is truly amazing. And what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. Now, he introduced that well, the last passage we looked at is he started talking about being born of God. 
This was a big theme of John's gospel, of being born again, born of God, born of the Spirit, born anew. It's natural he uses that in his letter here, this idea of being God's children. There's a little uh, twist here that we should be called God's children, and we are. He begins it with looking at the idea of we have been given this label of God's children, but it's a bigger deal than just being given a label. We're given that label because we really are God's children. This goes along with something that bothers me personally is the idea of labels. We uh, start assigning labels and, and making conclusions from that, like just the whole idea of being a Christian. Are you a Christian? Well, that could mean a whole lot of things. And the real question is, are you a follower of Christ? Do you have a relationship with God through Christ? Have you experienced the forgiveness of God through faith in Christ? So we've got to be careful with just labels. We have to really look at the core of it. And John's saying here, we, we've been given that label by God as his children. But the whole reason we've been given that label, because it's a real fact. It's true. We are God's children. And that is a big deal. That is something we should be amazed about. He goes on and says the, uh, the reason the world doesn't know us is it didn't know him. Now, is the him referring to Christ or God? Grammatically, it seems it would refer to God because he's talking about the Father and being God's children. So the world didn't know him, God, and so because of that, the world doesn't know us since we are children of God. Now, we talked a few times back about these, uh, this concept of the word world. World can have three different meanings. World can mean the created earth, or it can mean all of the people on the earth, or it can mean the, the evil system of human corruption. And that's what he's referring to here. The world. The world doesn't know us because we are part of the people who populate the world. This is making a distinction between us and the world. The world doesn't know us because the world doesn't know God. It's because we have different fathers. We're either children of God or children of the world. This goes along with a, a popular misconception that we often get seen thrown around is the idea that everybody is a child of God. And that's just not biblically true. Everybody is created in the image of God. Everybody is loved by God. Everybody is given the opportunity to know God. But not everybody is a child of God. And so what John talks about this is we are the ones who are children of God because we've been adopted by God. All God's children. Well, God's children are those who've been forgiven of their sin through faith in Christ and adopted by God. So whether he's talking about Christ or talking about God here and that it didn't know him, probably doesn't make a, a big distinction for us because the only way to know God is through Christ. And you cannot know God without knowing Christ. So he goes on now, verse 2. Dear friends, a lot of Bibles translate this as, as beloved. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. That's interesting. There's, he's talking two time frames the here and now, and the not yet. So now, what's going on now? 
We are God's children. We are God's children already now. He just talked about that. That's an amazing thing that God has adopted us. God has forgiven us. God has brought us into a relationship with him. That's a big deal. So that's already here and now. We are God's children. But something's going to happen with us that has not yet been revealed. So there's two times from the here and now. Here and now we're children of God. And that's a good thing. But eventually, the not yet, he says, we don't know what that it really is. But it's even going to be better. Uh, one author calls this uh, John's apostolic confession of ignorance. That's what he's just saying. You know, here he is, John, the apostle, the one who spent all this time with Jesus, the one who was part of Jesus' inner circle, the one who's writing significant pieces of the Bible. He says, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it will be. John, who had this revelation, who was uh, taken in a vision to, to heaven and, and saw all these end times, he's saying, I don't know. That's a lesson for us. It's okay to have a lot of humility here. And it's even demanded that we have a whole lot of humility. There's a lot we just flat don't know. And that's okay. You know, God hasn't told us everything, but he has certainly told us enough, enough to have faith in Christ. So here and now, we are already children of God. And wow, is that great. But there's something still to be revealed, and that's even going to be better. It says, we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Now, this is talking about that not yet. What's going to happen? What it's going to be like? Now, it gets translated as two different words here. He says, what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, that's actually the same verb, revealed and appears, and some Translations call this made manifest, that which was hidden, but has now been made visible. It says, you know, we're, we're children of God now, but eventually something's going to be made visible. And that's going to happen when Christ is made visible, when Christ appears, when Christ, who now it seems to be hidden, when he appears, then we will see that which has not yet been revealed. And we know that when he, Christ, appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Now notice he says, like him. That means similar. It doesn't mean an exact duplicate. We will not be little gods. We will not be divine, because Jesus Christ is divine. He is part of the Godhead. He is God the Son. So we will not be that way, but we will be like him. And that makes sense. We're created in the image of God. Now, image doesn't necessarily mean a visible look-alike. It means patterned after. So we're made like God. In what way? Well, with the ability to have a relationship with God, with a spiritual aspect, with a morality. So a lot of ways, you can look at this, how we're created in the image of God. But then we will become like Christ when he returns. There are some churchy words here that are at play. The term here is glorification. That is, when Christ appears and gathers us to him, we will be glorified at the resurrection, when the dead are resurrected 
and be given resurrection bodies. This is glorification. He hasn't used these terms, but he's been talking that language. When we are adopted by God, when we are forgiven of sin, we call that justification. That is, we are declared right in God's eyes. We are no longer guilty as sinners. We are justified before God because of what God has done, because of what Christ has done on the cross. It's an action of God. Justification. And then that leads to sanctification. And that is the process while we are here as God's children now, being conformed to the likeness of Christ, be made more and more like Christ. But then when Christ returns, will be that glorification. That is where we really do become like Christ. Then in verse 3, he says that everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now that hope, that's a hope of Christ's appearing, that hope of our seeing him, and our hope of becoming like him. This is that hope for that future event of Christ's return. Now that future has implications on our present. What we're hoping for and looking forward to has implications in how we live now. This last phrase, uh, when you first read it, it, it looks a little curious. It says he purifies himself, speaking of us, just as he is pure, just as Christ is pure. We are to purify ourselves. I thought we're purified by Christ, purified by the Holy Spirit, purified by God. Well, it depends on how you define purify. No way, I think a good way to look at this is because of this hope, because of what we're looking forward to in Christ, I'm going to intentionally be different in how I live. And so if uh, I were going to translate purifies himself, I would say follows Christ. Here and now, as children of God, we should live differently. And this is a conscious choice. Now, the Holy Spirit's definitely involved in this. God's definitely at work in this process. This is the process of sanctification. But it involves our active participation to intentionally live differently. And so I'd, I'd summarize this last part is because of our hope in Christ and because of who he is, we will intentionally live differently. And I'd just call that follow Christ. So that's the challenge for us. So are we following Christ? Are we really amazed by the love that God has expressed towards us by adopting us, by justifying us, declaring us righteous, and by the Holy Spirit working in our lives, making us more and more like Christ, and with this hope of this future becoming really like Christ? How does that change how I live today? Will I follow Christ? Well, thanks for joining me. Join me next time as we continue looking at 1 John chapter 3.